Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. All right. Good morning. No, good morning. I don't know about uh, you people, but at our church, uh, when I say good morning, everybody says, good morning. Good morning. Good to be together. Hey, you know, it's pretty funny um, to see this guy up here as a pastor. I remember when we were like, I don't know, eight years old, and you were daring your brother to put his finger in a snapping turtle's mouth. And I don't I, I <laughs> we grew, we, we did a lot growing up together. Um, our dads became great friends when we were just kids. And, uh, and the Vanderclock kids were always just a touch crazier than my family. And so they really kept us on our toes. And so we'd get together with them and we had to like gear up in the car. My dad said, like, now remember these Vanderclock kids. They... <laughs> I'm starting off on a good note. I did ask Becca if, if you guys would laugh today and she said she would. She's already laughing today. All right, so anyway, uh, my name's Ross and I'm your friend. Uh, we'll start off with that. Um, I'm a pastor at, uh, in Big Rapids, Michigan, so north of Grand Rapids. Yours are grand, ours are bigger. And we... <laughs> oh, so I grew... I've been a Christian since I was a fetus. Uh, my, my parents... You can laugh at that, too. My parents uh, were pastors in Gaylord, Michigan, uh, ever since I was born. Um, and they... Just recently, we've gotten my, uh, my parents to uh, hand their church off and come and be on staff with us. And, uh, and so anyway, we're in Big Rapids. God is doing good things in uh, Ferris State country. <laughs> Hi, my name is Ross, and I'm your friend. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm, I'm an enemy, too, because I went to Grand Valley. So I, 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 can't, I can't wear my, my alumni stuff around my own city. But, uh, but anyway, man, I got things to say, and I haven't even gotten to note number one. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, anyway, uh, this is my wife, Allison, and she's amazing. She holds this thing. I think, I don't know if you have it. I sent a picture of my family. We have five children. I don't know if you can see that behind me. Um, and uh, we, we have five kids. We had five kids in five years in a small town like Big Rapids. They write newspaper articles about people like us. <laughs> and uh, for real, they did. And so, so anyway, um, I'll be honest with you. I never wanted to be a pastor. I grew up in a pastor's home. And I, I swore that I would never be a pastor. Uh, I, I was gifted in, in music, and so I joined the worship team, and I just thought, you know what? I love Jesus, and I will use my gifts and talents for the Lord my whole life, but I'm never going to be a pastor. How many know that if you tell God you are never going to do something, he is going to make you do it? So keep it up. Keep it up. This is on you, not, not God. It's on you. You say, I'm not doing that. You're going to do it. Uh, but anyway, uh, so I ran from that. And, and everybody would say, man, you got an anointing on your life. You should do and I, and I just was like, no, I'm not going to do it. So I went to Grand Valley uh, to get a degree in science of all things. So you want to talk evolution after church? I'm game, okay? <laughs> and so, so anyway, um, I just I ran away from it. And uh, and for lots of reasons. Uh, one was being part of a pastor's family. It's not an easy job, you know? You people have problems. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> 
So, no, we all have problems, right? Right? And, and so, you, you know, you pour your life out for people, and, and it could, it's not an easy job. And so I was like, I'm not going to do it. Anyway, long story short, um, God really led me right into it. And, and so I've been in ministry for almost 20 years now, been the lead pastor of our church for over 10 years now. And, uh, and I just felt underqualified. I felt like this calling that God had put in my life was one that was so huge. There's no way I could do it. From my perspective, it was like me. I remember I went to the Link conference, which Link is the, part, the church organization that you guys are part of, and I'm part of the board of that. Um, and it, I remember going and they did a raise your hand for the youngest pastor, and I won. And you're thinking, like, people are clapping. They go, he got no idea what he's got himself into. Good for him, right? And they gave me some books that I never read. And so anyway, I didn't know what I got into. But now I just love what I do. And God has taken me to places I never imagined. Once I changed my perspective and, and really said, okay, God, this is what you want me to be. This is what you want me to do. And my wife agreed to be on board with that and, and go into ministry. God has taken us places we never imagined. And we have gone through things we thought we'd never be able to get through. And God has come out on the other side, right? So anyway, I want to pray before I get into what I want to share with you guys today. Uh, because a guy who never wanted to be a pastor probably doesn't have much to say today. But I believe that the Father has a lot to say today, okay? And so let's just prepare our hearts. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for each and every person here. Thank you that, uh, that you've given me the opportunity to be here to share your word. And so, God, today I pray that that is what stands out, that it has nothing to do with me or my stories. It has everything to do with the word of God, with the truth that you, you've put out there for us to live by. God, help it to speak to us. Give us ears that hear your word speaking, hearts that understand what it's saying to us today. And give us minds that want to live out the instruction that we find in your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So I, I really like scripture, uh, maybe not as much as Pastor Dwayne Vanderklok, but like, like I'm not like 800 scriptures, but I really like bringing truth out of scripture, and I like telling stories too. Anybody like stories in this place? Okay, so the, first, the scripture I want to start out with today is in Hebrews 12, verse 1. It's one of my favorite scriptures. Um, if you have your Bible with you today, I encourage you not to turn to Hebrews 12, verse 1. Turn to Numbers 13, but, but, uh, but you should bring your Bible with you every week to church. This is one of the places where this is an approved reading device. Okay. No, sorry. In other places it's not, it's not, but it is here. Um, so Hebrews 12, one says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And then it says, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Let us run. Turn to your neighbor, say, you got to run. Okay, so I'm a runner. Um, I know I might not look like it, but I like to run. I anybody hate running in this place? Just hate it, despise. Okay, that was me. I, I, I hated running, and I would do anything but run. But when my, when my uh, father-in-law, he turned 60, he had a midlife crisis. And no, no offense to my father-in-law. And uh, it, he, came, he came to me, and he said, Ross, I want to challenge you to a half marathon, and I'm going to beat you. And everybody knows if your father-in-law challenges you like that, you have to participate. 
<laughs> and so I went into this training to, to run. I, I remember I never thought I could get past three miles of running. Like I would be dead. And until one day when I decided to take a different route and go down another neighborhood that I thought connected to my neighborhood in the back of the neighborhood. And I got to that point, I was like, where's the road? <laughs> right? And it wasn't there. And so I was like, okay, I guess just keep running, just keep running, running. You know? And so I made it home and I did five miles that day. And I was like, oh my goodness, I can do so much more than I thought I could do. Right? So I, I became a runner and I beat my father-in-law. It felt great. I was 26. He was 60. Okay. So, um, I know. <laughs> and he beat me the next year. We ran the race again and he beat me. That felt awful. Um, so anyway, I know not everybody's a runner. I know not, not everybody's into sports, uh, but when it comes to Paul in scripture, the apostle Paul, I think he was a sports fanatic because we find that in multiple places, he talks about running, he talks about boxing, he talks about these things. At the time that Paul would have been writing so many of the, the scriptures that we read today um, was the time when the Romans had the Colosseums, right? You could still go to, uh, we, we went to Israel, and even in Israel, there's a Colosseum there in Caesarea where, where the Romans had games. And so Paul would have been in places, he was in Rome, where he could have gone and seen the games, and I think he was a sports fanatic. And I think he knew that the culture of the day was that people paid attention to these athletes. They paid attention to these games. And so when he writes his scripture, he talks about running races. He talks about these athletic things. We still do that today. Anybody here like football? Anybody here a Michigan State fan? Okay. Uh, <laughs> just me? Like my colors? Okay. Go green, go white. Uh, <laughs> But we do this today. We talk about sports. We use sports as an analogy. Uh, we, we sit in front of the screen, and when they do a play that's not, not good, we're like, come on, even I could have done that, right? Anybody ever do that one? I was sitting with my 72-year-old father the other day watching Michigan play, who he loves Michigan, and they dropped the ball. He's like, come on, even I could have done that. And I was just like, really? You can't climb the ladder into your tree stand. And you're... <laughs> You're going to get out there. But, but the reason why I think Paul is, is using these analogies is because he's trying to spark people's uh, minds and thoughts into, I want to get in the game too. I want to get in the game. I want to be part of what God is doing. Do you want to be part of what God is doing? You know, and we so easily want to be part of what's happening in the world around us, but sometimes we don't think about getting into God's game, Right. And so I think Paul's trying to get people to go, I want to get in the game. Turn to your neighbor and say, get in the game. Okay. So anytime the Bible tells me to do something or tells me that I should do something, what I want to find in scripture is the how. How am I supposed to do that, right? So this scripture has the how, okay? We're going to, we're going to continue verse one. Um, oh, wait, we're going to, oh, my, my notes moved. Okay. It says, and then, and let us run. With perseverance, the race marked out for us. That's where we left off. And then it says in verse 2, this is the how, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Okay, And then it goes on to talk about what Jesus did. But, but listen, fixing our eyes on Jesus. How do we run the race and finish? It's by fixing our eyes on who? It's the, the how of how you walk out this life is all about perspective. 
Everybody say perspective. Perspective, perspective is everything. Wow, I keep kicking that thing. Can I turn this? There we go. Whew, man. You guys in your music stands. The way you see a situation will impact the outcome of your life in that situation. Perspective is everything. I'm, I'm a big hunter. I don't know if you guys hunt down here, you city folk, but, uh, but I, I do. I'm a big hunter. And, uh, and uh, wow. And um, this year I went hunting in Nebraska for antelope with a bow. Okay, they say it's one of the hardest hunts uh, that there is to do, not because it's hard to find the animals, but because it's hard to get close, right? Because there's as many hills in Nebraska as there is hills on the stage. Okay, and so to get close enough to, to an antelope, you got to crawl on your belly through cactus, and, and there's scorpions and rattlesnakes. It was eight, so it's 85 degrees, and we're crawling on our bellies to go 400 yards. It takes us two hours crawling in the heat, drenched in sweat to get to pop up just to find out that their telescopic vision has seen you and they're another 400 yards away. Doesn't that sound great? <laughs> Honestly, first three days, I shot at eight different animals at over 120 yards with my bow. It was the craziest hunt I've ever been on my whole life. And I didn't even think about scorpions or rattlesnakes until day three. And a local's like, you're crawling through that grass? There's rattlesnakes there. I was like, no. We turned the corner in the next field, and there's a huge rattlesnake right there in the field where we were driving. I was like, oh, man. Didn't stop me, right? So, I, so anyway, I, not humble brag, I, not a humble brag. I shot an antelope at 135 yards with my bow and arrow. Heart shot. Anyway, for those of you that don't like that, my name is Ross. I'm your friend. Um, but anyway, um, when I tell people about that hunt, they go, that sounds terrible. I don't want to do that. I, my perspective is, I'd love it. I'd go back right now if I could go back right now. It was so much fun. And, and so because of my perspective, I was successful in a hunt like that. And you may never go on it because of your perspective. Perspective is everything. Okay? The way you see a situation will dictate the way your life goes in that situation. Okay, so now I want to go to Numbers 13. If you've got your Bible with you, uh, we're going to go to verse 17. This is the time when Moses sent the spies into the promised land. Okay, you guys remember this? So they get there. God has promised them the land. That's why it's called the promised land. Okay? How many know that God has lots of promises in his word for us, right? Okay, so specifically for the Israelites, he had promised them this land. He sends 12 spies, okay, one from each tribe in to go see what the land looks like, all right? And so if we turn to our Bibles in Numbers 13, we go to verse 17, we can, we can read exactly what happened. It says, when Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, go up through the Negev and into the hill country, see what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many, what kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What, what kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or are they fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes, right? So Moses is sending these guys in. He's just looking for perspective, okay? We haven't gone in yet. I'm trusting you 12 to go in and come back and give us kind of the idea of what this place is like, all right? All right. So let's continue reading, okay? Actually, we're going to um, jump up to verse 27. It says this, when they came back, they gave Moses this account, right? 
We went into the land in which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. You remember the picture that was in like your old Bible of the guys holding the, the stick? This is the way we all ca- I carry salmon out of the river, right? You got a stick like this, and they got the grapes hanging, and they got another guy on the other side. The grapes are like the size of a basketball. I don't, I've never seen a grape like that, but I like to, right? And so anyway, they, they come back, and, and they say, it, it is flowing with milk and honey, and here is its fruit. And then in verse 28, it says, but. Everybody say, but. Anytime I find this in scripture, you know there's a change coming, right? But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and they're very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. Anak is uh, a descendant of giants, of the Nephilim, of these scary, incredibly strong individuals. This is their perspective. But listen to one individual's perspective in verse 30. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do this. Caleb's like, we got this. Let's go. Okay. But the other people didn't feel that way. He had a certain perspective that they didn't have, right? Verse 31, it says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explore devours those living in it. If that was true, why did all 12 come back? You ever thought that? Like I, when I read, I, I always read scripture like with, I'm looking for questions I can ask the scripture. If it devours anybody who goes into it, how in the world did you come back, right? After 40 days, Okay. It says, all the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We, see, we seemed like grasshoppers in whose eyes? In our own eyes. Perspective, right? Then he says, and we look the same to them. They think, because that's how they feel. Amazing how the same group of people, or one group of people, can look at the same thing and see different things, Right? They can look at it, they see the same thing, but what they actually see in here is different. Caleb's perspective was, from, was different from the rest, but, but this is what we struggle with, I believe, in the world today, is when the majority says something, it's hard to go against it. Can I get an amen from anybody in the room today, right? When the majority says this is truth, or this is the way something should be, or this is what we think about it, it's hard to stand against it. it that carries weight, and this is what happens in this story. If we go to chapter 14, verse 1, it says, That night all the members of the community raised their voices, and they wept aloud. Listen, this is how crazy this goes, is when, when the majority says something, people get so on board that they will go out of their minds over it. Listen to this verse. Verse 2, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, the guy that led them through the ocean on dry ground, the guy that led them out of Egypt, the guy who, who could, do, he could hit a rock and water could come out of it. Now they've changed all their perspective. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt. If only we had died? Death is better than the promised land? 
Then they just continue to grumble. Verse 3, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better to just get us back to Egypt? Like, like, can you just hear people like going off the rails? No? Nobody here? Okay, just me. Great. It, it's a shift that is incredibly surprising when you think about what they've seen God do already. Have you ever seen God do something amazing in your life? Maybe you have. Maybe you haven't yet. You know that song that, that we sing a lot at church, you know, I'll see you do it again, right? That song is us speaking about the testimony of what we've seen God done. And these people have forgotten that they are a living testimony of the incredible power of God. Yet when the majority of the spies say it's impossible, the masses are moved. So let me just change gears here for a second. When Paul writes about throwing off the things that hinder us in that same scripture in Hebrews that we started off with, the, the sin that so easily entangles us, right? That's what he's talking about. He's saying throwing off this sin that so easily changes our perspective, right? We live in a world today where we are told by the majority that the wrong things are right. And where the obvious right things are wrong. Right? I mean... It's, it's incredible that this has happened, but why is it that the world turns that way naturally? Why is it that the per perspective of the world naturally turns towards saying that the, that the wrong things are right? It's because sin is easy. Turn your neighbor and say, sin is easy. It is, it is easy. Sin is the easiest way to live. The devil knows this. You know this, right? And so that's why Paul even writes, the sin that so easily entangles us, it's because living the sinful way is the easy way, and doing things God's way is definitely more difficult. Can I, can I get a witness in the place today, right? Definitely more difficult. God's way will challenge you. It will convict you. It'll make you work. It, 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 it's challenging to live God's way. And that's why when Paul writes in other places when he's talking about the running the race, he says, I, I'm like a boxer, but not one that's beating the air. I'm one that's beating my own body, right? Why, why would he beat his own body? It's because he knows that the easy way is the wrong way. And that he has to have the discipline to put the work in, to put the effort in, to beat his own body into submission to say, I believe in God more than I believe in the masses. Do you believe in God more than the masses? Really? So with the right perspective, though, you can see that putting in that work is worth the effort. Let's continue, Numbers 14, 6. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Je whatever, so uh, who were among those, why do they do that to us, right? They just couldn't, they just J, period, you know, like put a, that little A in your book. You can go to the bottom and read it if you really want to try, right? Um, so Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of J, were, uh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. And then listen to this perspective. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. 
He will give it to us. And then they say in verse 9, don't rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Perspective, right? I could say perspective 800 times today, right? Perspective, we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Joshua and Caleb have the right perspective, right? Let me, let me, make, let me simplify this. 12 spies went into the, the promised land. 10 of them went in going, let's go see how hard this is gonna be. Two of them went in and went, let's see all the stuff that God has for us. How do you see life? When you think of the calling that God has on your life, when you think about what God might want to do with you, and you go, oh, man, this is going to be hard. But I mean, how hard is it going to be for me to, to do that? What am I going to have to give up? Because, I mean, you know, if they go in the promised land and they fight these people, they're going to lose some people in battle. There's reality, right? Things are going to be hard. If you, if you step into the calling that God has for your life, if you're willing to say yes today to God, there are some things that, that are going to get cut off. There's some things that are going to have to change. There's some work that's going to have to be put in. But, but if your perspective is not about, man, is this going to be hard, and it's more about what has God got for me, you can do it. And you will be amazed to see what God will do in and through you. But you've got to change your perspective. Do you believe that God has the ability to make good on his promises? Do you believe it? Yes. All right. Do you think that anything here on earth has the ability to stop God from fulfilling his promises? No. no. Do you think the Israelites knew that? Yeah. yeah, they knew. But they took their eyes off of God's promise. Did you know that Jesus is God's promise fulfilled? We're coming up on Christmas, right? We sang about Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to speak the name of Jesus, right? I loved, loved the, the, set, the music set today without us talking ahead of time. It's like, here it is all about Jesus. We need to be fixing our eyes on God's promise. And Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise for you and me. Amen? Amen. He is. And so we need to put our, fix our gaze on Jesus, the one who makes it possible for you and I to go ahead and live the life that God has called us to be in, right? See, the, the, you could have the wrong perspective and you could spend your whole life going, I'm not sure I'm good enough to be who God wants me to be. Or you could spend your whole life going, okay, God, I'm ready for the ride, right? I'm getting in the race. I'm, I'm just going to put my eyes on you. I don't care what's in front of me. I don't care what obstacle you might put out there. I'm just going to run. I'm going to see where you take me. That's what we've done. That's what you've done. And probably many people in this place have done. And, we, and I'm, I know that they feel this way. You have incredible pastors, by the way. These are incredible individuals who I totally respect. And it's funny that I'm on like an elder board and I'm younger than you, but that's fine. <laughs> but um, if you will say yes and you will change your perspective, this thing is full of promises. This thing is full of promises for you that you could stand on, that when you face hard times, when you're facing mountains or you're, you're being challenged in life, you can go to this. And if you will believe that this is more powerful than anything you'll face, you'll walk through those things. Because God is bigger than the boogeyman. 
<laughs> you remember that? that was, uh, and, uh, and Godzilla and the monsters on TV, you remember that? Veggie Tales, I'm the only one? Okay, me and, me and Sam. <laughs> Hebrews 12, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Can you live with your life focused on the promise keeper? Maybe you need to see your life or your calling with a new perspective today. I want to look at one more perspective. I, I won't make you, well, you could turn in your Bible if you want. First Samuel, first Samuel 17, uh, verse 32. You guys remember the story of David and Goliath? One of my favorite stories in the whole Bible. I, I seem to talk about him quite a bit. Um, so let me, let me just paint the picture for you, okay? The Philistines and the Israelites at war, it literally says that, that the Israelites are on one hill the Philistines are on another hill and there's a valley between them. They can see each other, their encampments. Every day, this guy, Goliath, comes out and he's like, come on, whoever wants to challenge me, if you challenge me and, and you win, then we'll, you'll, we'll be your slaves. But if we win, you'll be our slaves and we're gonna take your land, all this stuff. And now Goliath was a big dude, okay? He was, I think it says he was nine foot nine. His armor he wore weighed 125 pounds. So he like... He was strong enough to have agility on the battlefield while carrying 125 pounds on his body. That's, that's a real man, right? That's, that's like a Ohio State lineman. <laughs> I hate Ohio State. Anyway, uh, so, so anyway, you know, David's brothers, all of them, they go to the battle lines. All this is going on, but David's left back to watch the sheep. And at some point or another, his dad's like, hey, Dave, can you take this charcuterie board to the front lines for uh, your brothers? They're probably hungry. So Dave shows up with meat and cheese on a plate, and he, uh, and he, hears, he hears Goliath. And, and Goliath uh, shouts, they weren't just about man versus man. They were also about the, him saying that your God's nothing. Your, God, your God's weak. You watch, come on out here. Let's see if your God can protect you. And Dave's like, you guys hearing this? Looking down the line, cheese and meat in his hands. Like, what in the world? Aren't any of you gonna go fight him? And nobody speaks up. So Dave's like, hold the board, right? He's like, I'll go do it. I'll do it. And, and his brothers, they hear him and they start making fun of him. They start telling him how young he is, how, how he doesn't have the skills. He's not a soldier. He's just a shepherd. Go back to the sheep. And Dave's like, no, listen, it's not about me. That guy can't talk that way about God. I know that God is with me. And so anyway, nobody else wants to do it. So finally, it gets to Saul that, uh, that David's, David's saying, listen, I'll go out there. I think, honestly, David, a young man, is like, I don't need permission. I'm just going to walk out there. And finally, Saul's like, I better, I better get this guy and talk to him. And this happens in, in 1 Samuel 17, 32. It says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go fight him. Like, I'll do it. And Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, this is awesome. This, this is, I love this. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep, I went after it. I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. It says this, when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair 
and struck it and killed it. How many of you have seized a bear by its fur? The other day, a couple weeks ago, my sister hit a black bear with her car up by Houghton Lake. And it was a couple days later, and I'm, I'm, I'm a redneck. And so I'm like, right, let's, let's go find it, right? So we go looking for this bear, and we get into the woods where she hit it. And she said it was a huge bear. Uh, it ended up being the biggest bear killed in the Lower Peninsula this year. It was almost 500 pounds. But when I found it, it was still alive. And so here I am sneaking through the woods with the Diet Coke from McDonald's. And... Uh, <laughs> And I'm like, oh, look, there's a bear. Oh, my gosh. And it stood up. And you know what did not cross my mind? I'm going to grab that thing by the scruff of its neck, and I'm going to strike it and kill it. I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> we have a video, and my buddy was in the background. He's like, run away from the bear. I was like, okay, we're out of here. So, <laughs> like, David is a real man, right? Like he might be young, he might not look like this huge guy in stature, but old boy killed lions and bears with his back, bare hands, right? That's a, that's a thing. And I think Saul's impressed. So I was like, oh, I've never done that. Go for it then, right? So, so Saul says to David, go, let the Lord be with you. And so uh, do you remember Saul though even tries to fit his armor on David? He says, before you go, put this on. And David puts the armor on and he goes, this isn't me. God hasn't called you to be something you're not. God hasn't said, once you change everything about yourself, then I'll use you. God is saying, right now, go. Put your eyes on me and go. So, so this, this story is the greatest one of the greatest stories. Verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream. He put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Then it says this. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome. And he despised him, right? I don't know if that's because Goliath was ugly, but... <laughs> handsome and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Now, what you don't know, probably, is that David did not say in the name of the Lord Almighty. In his language in that day, he said, I come against you in the name of Jehovah Sabaoth, which means the Lord of the armies of heaven who has never lost. I come against you, Goliath, in the name of a God who thinks you are smaller than an ant. Get out of my way. That's his perspective. Everybody say perspective. Then he says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and I'll cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. You remember what happens? Can you imagine everybody watching that and be like, Let me just, I got to wrap this up for sure because I'm long, but that's what pastors do. They preach longer than they say they're going to. Um, 
is we all think that following God is going to be so hard. So many people think, man, but if I say yes, what am I going to have to do? Yeah, there's going to be work involved. There's going to be effort. David had to pick up the stones. David had to get out there and he had to swing this. But in the perspective of everything, God is greater than any obstacle you'll ever face. He's bigger than the barriers that you set up in your mind. He's bigger than anybody's voice that could come against you. He's bigger than the voice of the majority. And I believe that if today you'll say yes to him, to the calling that he has, if you will get in the game, if you will run the race, but during the race, you won't focus on every step in front of you, but you'll keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, the fulfillment of prophecy, the fulfillment of the promises for you, that you can do it. And my name is Ross and I'm your friend. Let's pray. I do believe with your eyes closed that God has great things in mind for every person in this room. No matter your perspective, or your, not perspective, but your situation, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're not facing. But if you will get the perspective of Joshua and Caleb, if you will get the perspective of David, I believe that you can face any Goliath that might come against you. I believe that your thoughts about you not being good enough or well-prepared enough can go away and be defeated if you'll change your perspective. Father, thank you for every person in this room. God, I just ask today that as your word was shared, that they were understanding that life is all about perspective and it's all about how you see the situation. Do you trust in the promises of God? Are, God, are they, are they living, looking for you, fulfilling your promises, or are they looking at the difficulty that faces them? God, I pray that today the walls and barriers that, that are in their mind, the constructs set up that have them looking at the difficulty will be broken. That today perspectives will change to say, God has so much in store for me and I am going to live it. God, that we will pick our eyes up from the ground and from the, the masses and the voices of the world and we will set them on Jesus, the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. with everybody's eyes closed, nobody looking around. If you're in the room today and you have not made Jesus Lord of your life, I'm telling you, God has so much in store for you that you have not even tapped into yet. Maybe you came today looking for something. Maybe you feel empty. The word says that, that salvation in Christ and relationship with God will bring a wholeness. It says it will bring a fullness to your life. So if you have empty places in your life, today, if you'll make Jesus Lord and start walking with him, he wants to fill those places, but, but not with things of the world, not with, not with things that are perspective on the earth things, but on his thing, with his things, with his goodness, with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, all, all of the fruits of the spirit, all of the things of God. And so if you're here and you're going, I want that, I want Jesus in my life, I wanna know. I wanna know one that I'm going to heaven, but that, that this life isn't all about going to heaven, it's about what God wants to do in my life today. Then I wanna give you an opportunity to make Jesus Lord. If that's you, nobody looking around, just lift your hand up. Is there anybody that knows they wanna make that decision today in the service? All right. All right, I see your hand. We're gonna pray a prayer here, just as a, minute, as a whole church family, as a body of Christ. <laughs> And since you raised your hand today, I want to just do 
tell you that it's, we're going to pray a prayer where you say that Jesus is Lord of your life. But more than that, it's what's happening in your heart and what happens after this. You walking out of here, walking in the direction of God with your eyes focused on Jesus as your Savior and the Word of God and the promises found in this Word. So as a church, would you just repeat after me? We're going to pray and, and invite people into the family of God with us. So say this with me. Say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross so that I could be forgiven, to defeat the grave so that I wouldn't have to go there, and to rise again, to have new life so that I can have new life. Today I choose to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm not gonna live my way anymore. I wanna live your way. So lead me into the life you created for me. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.